the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, Mr. NC Scout, myself, back home, back home after spending a little over a week in the great state of Michigan and having a heck of a good time. And of course, one of the guys that I had in class while I was up there is a Radio Contra sponsor with his incredible book series, Mr. Joe Dolio of TacticalWisdom.com. What's up, brother? Hey, how are you? I'm good, man. Hey, I want to share my biggest learning of the week. And, and, and this is a great one for everyone out there listening. The biggest learning of the week was that Scout does a very creditable Alex Jones impression. It, that's the best thing. <laughs> well, you know, Joe, let me tell you something. They, 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 you know, what what was tinfoil hat just 10 minutes ago it is the world that we're living in now. <clears throat> it's on record. I'm sick of it. Sick of this crap. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That, that is that is uh, well rehearsed, Alex Jones. Well rehearsed, Alex Jones. I'll so. tell you that um, the quality of the Alex Jones impression is directly proportional to the amount of whiskey involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can assure you there is no whiskey involved at the moment. <laughs> at the moment now, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Well, I won't confirm nor deny, but but whiskey, no sir. I will I will be one hundred percent honest and say that I consumed more Paps Blue Ribbon last week than I have in probably the last ten years. So well, Paps Blue Ribbon is different in your part of the United States in, in its birthplace. It it's different up there than it is down here. Yeah, it's yeah. not a bad beer. It, it's not a bad beer down here. It but it, it's diff, it's definitely different, man. Miller brews it down here and you know, it's it's not it's you can taste the two and tell that they they're in you can tell that they're cousins of one another. <laughs> yeah. But okay. they they're not the same beer, man. That's fair. I'll tell you, this is the quality content people come here for right here. This is they it. They do. They do. I mean, it, it's a fact, man. It, you know, a couple dudes talking about PBR and whiskey, Alex Jones. I mean, th this is what made Joe Rogan a gazillionaire. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, and he, but I mean, he, he was already famous to begin with, and, and I am not, so. You know. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> uh, but 
Man, oh man, you know, I, of course, last week uh, with RTO, advanced RTO and signals intelligence going on, um, kind of the, the elephant in the room was the school shooting, the latest one that has happened. And I, unfortunately, I do have to present it in that way. And, um, you know, I haven't made any public statements about it. I haven't really discussed it or said anything one way or the other because um, there's really there's really nothing that I think that I could say about it that is that that is going to add anything to the conversation uh, one way or the other. I think it's a you know as you and I discussed and everybody else kind of we reflected on in class. Uh, after hours, in- incredibly tragic, uh, horrible loss of life. Um, you know, with, with kids, I-, I think any any crime that involves kids, regardless of the severity of it, is is the most heinous thing that I, I think that we can do personally, um, because they- they're our most vulnerable population in in all cases, whether it comes from human trafficking. Um, or abuse in the household, and then, you know, obviously uh, all the way up to murder. And, you know, I I just want to point one thing out before we get going, is uh, first, I want to say, as as somebody with a a sociology and criminology background, um, you know, this came up specifically when when we were discussing some things after hours in class, uh, because we had, we had an incredible class and an incre- always, always an incredible uh, group of folks. And having somebody that's a career criminal investigator in class with us and, you know, your background, my background, and then having him in class, uh, you know, and, and that, that was just really, really an, an incredible experience. And what, what oh, a yeah. great guy, career, career uh, military officer, career uh, criminal investigator, military policeman. And that was just really, really awesome to have that level of experience in class as well. And, and you know, we were all sitting around discussing this, discussing this mass shooting and um, the, the causal factors that go into it and the different things, um, you know, and, and we were all kind of finishing each other's sentences while we were discussing this. And one thing that I want to point out is that as a uh, as a uh, very famous criminologist uh, by the name of Travis Hershey and he, his theory of routine activities theory, uh, it's a, a theory of why crime occurs, essentially, because that's what criminologists do is a study why crime occurs and, and the different factors that go into causing crime so that we can come up with a, a better public policy. And. You know, it's it's very interesting. I, I've seen over the years, I've seen a lot of stuff on both sides of, of the gun debate. I've seen people, uh, academics that were anti-gun. I have had the privilege in, in the distant past uh, to talk to and communicate with Gary Kleck and uh, John Lott as well. And, you know, I, I might need to, to rekindle those contacts in, in, a, uh, in this sense, it was a different professional setting. Um, but you know, get them on and, and to get their thoughts on that because they are two very pro gun criminologists and, and well known in the criminology field. But <clears throat> what I want to point out is Travis Hershey's routine activities theory. And 
it is essentially uh, three points intersect to cause crime. And that's first, you have to have a motivated offender. You have to have the absence of capable guardians. And then you finally have to have a suitable target. Okay. And so when we break down routine activities theory and, and Travis Hershey's specific, his theory on why crime occurs, we can apply that to every one of these quote unquote mass shootings. And the common denominator there that, that we came up with in class is that these all occur in the absence of capable guardians. What does that mean? It means people who are not armed. It means people who are not trained, who are not prepared. You know, Joe, you, you've got a huge background in private security, personal security details, you know, and, and, and you know your stuff. And we can apply that theory to literally any field, man, to, to any incident and, and with crime prevention. It just seems like to me, it, it, and this is all the oddities about this this case aside, um, you know, and, and then, of course, the Buffalo one that preceded this and the New York uh, subway incident that preceded that and eat man, literally each one of these. And if we just look at it from a professional context, it seems like to me, knowing what I know and and just by the numbers, by the statistics of the states that have more liberalized concealed carry laws, meaning that they, they allow them, and the impact that that's had on the aggregate crime rate, when we compare the data to the Uniform Crime Report, it's published every two years by the FBI. I mean, the numbers don't lie. The people are lying to us about the numbers for sure, but the numbers do not lie. That's and true. I, think, I mean, uh, John Lott, when, when John Lott wrote his seminal study on this, he was a leftist looking to prove that more guns would lead to more violence and more crime. Yep. And it changed his entire outlook on life because he found that the more guns and the more liberal the carry laws, the lower the crime rate was. And if you remember back uh, in Barack Obama's day, he tried to use CDC to investigate it. And now they've kind of twisted what happened and they say, oh, well, the CDC is barred from investigating gun uh, gun deaths as a pandemic or an epidemic. There's a reason for that, because when uh, when Obama had them do that, they found the same thing, that the more guns there were in a community and the more liberal the laws on the carry of those guns, the less likely people were to be killed with guns. Um, it, it's that very simple old adage that an armed society is a polite society. If I'm a criminal and my risk level goes up, you know, there's odds that if I go and uh, try to break into this house that somebody might have a gun or, or that I'm going to rob someone at the gas station that they might shoot back. Um, my, my, my calculus has changed. I'm a little less likely to even attempt to commit the crime. Therefore, the numbers go down across the board. However, in restrictive areas like Chicago, Detroit, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, we're seeing that that the less likely the victim is to be able to resist themselves violently, the more likely it is that someone's just going to walk up and shoot them. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a weird catch 22 that they try to lie about. Uh, but it's just apparent everywhere that anyone studies it, the more guns and the more liberal the carry laws, uh, the less uh, the less dangerous the society is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, we're we're really getting into that time. I mean, 
you gotta you gotta be able to protect yourself. I mean, I hate to say that, and you know, I, I'm I'm gonna be critical where where it's warranted. Um, you know, the cops just at face value, the, the cops in this this instance in particular, um, they. I, I honestly, I, I again, I, I'm I'm at a loss of words. Um, you know, you when when you put on that uniform, you put on that badge. It, it's to preserve life, man. And and you know, every I'll say every young law enforcement officer that I've had, you know, the the uh, the opportunity to interact with or or to talk with, um, and and it's been many over the years you know, they're, they're going in motivated. They're going in wanting to make a difference. They're going in, they, they're, they're your hard chargers. They're the ones who are, um, you know, going to run to the sound of the gunfire. And yeah. it seems yeah. like to me, w- one of the big issues, and, and, you know, we discussed this out there too. One of the big issues is that contemporary law enforcement is doing everything it can. The culture of it, at least from the hierarchy is doing everything it, it can to kill that. And, there's a lot of reasons think, for that, man. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone ever takes a job as a police officer to issue tickets, right? Nobody takes a job as a police officer because they like to write reports. They take it because they want to make a difference. They want to make an impact. They want to be, they want to be the hero in their story. So when presented with such an opportunity here to protect the most helpless among us, I just, I can't, I can't make an excuse. I'd like to. Um, but but it's a bigger problem than that. I could see like if if at the uh, if at the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas one like it was where there was just one guy who didn't want to go in. I could write that off to a single person fear. But this was the wholesale group of officers in that yeah. community, uh, including U.S. marshals and and things like that who who literally said, "Nah, man, I don't I don't want to go in and face a gunman." And uh, I just I cannot square that in my mind. I mean, unarmed, I'd have been going in there through a window trying to figure out how yeah. I could stop that. I, I just I cannot allow the helpless to be harmed in front of me. Nah, nah, man. It it it's I don't know. It, it, it again, like I said, I I'm I'm really at a loss of words. The whole the whole scenario. There, there's a lot of oddities. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot of things that stand out. I've written, you know, a, a, a couple of small things. I've posted up some stuff and, and you know, we I, I shared my thoughts on all that in class, which, you know, a lot of people probably can can venture to guess what those are. But, you know, well, I want to point out something say, you and I both said last uh, week. Let me point yeah, out something you ahead. and I both said that the biggest indicator that something is not right here will be if they decide to bulldoze the site. And yeah. late last night, Joe Biden said he's going to bulldoze the site. Right. So, yeah, it, it was it was also being disclosed uh, that the the police department, local police department there was not cooperating with the Texas Department of Public Safety. Now, that story has since been amended that they are uh, that, that it what it wasn't that it was misreported. It's just that there there's been some back and forth, um, but they are cooperating with DPS now. But again, 
it it seems like to me as somebody who is who is at least familiar with the the process of writing department policy and the administration of law enforcement in general at, at the at the local level and at the state level um it it's it's odd um there's a lot of oddities that are occurring here but i, I will say this we're, we're going to know a lot more when it comes out in the civil cases that are undoubtedly going to be framed against law enforcement at, at all levels. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes. We're, we're going to see where this one goes. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere good. Um, you know, they're already uh, New York, and this this was reported this morning. New York is framing a lawsuit against Glock. Um, I'm going to have more details on that later. I don't have them right in front of me, but they are they the New York State is proposing a lawsuit against Glock because a Glock was what was used by Frank James in the subway shooting. This but they the, won't they won't blame anyone associated with the black Hebrew Israelites where he got right. his ideology. Right, right. Well, it's it's politically incorrect to do that. Um, yeah. So they they're obviously not going to do that. And 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 that's the thing is that this this hate and division that just keeps keeps festering, and nobody's doing anything about it. They're not doing anything to address that. You know, you'll have you'll have the various platforms out there that'll label somebody like me and you as all these things that were clearly not, you know, and, and, you know, fair minded and, and level headed guys and, and just, you know, kind of like, look, some things are odd here about all this and kind of sharing, sharing our views on the world, which I don't think are extreme by any means. Um, but you know, and, and, and not purposely inflammatory or anything, but they do absolutely nothing to curb, a lot of extremist language that's used by other sectors. I mean, this kid in this latest shooting, I mean, he's, he's a transgender kid. I mean, that's, that's gotta be pointed out, man. It, you know, does that mean that everybody that's a transgender is, is going to go out and be a mass shooter? Nah, you know, it, that, that would be ignorant to say that, but it, it is, it does need to be pointed out that this kid had some issues, man. And, and, and how much of it is, is tied to the, the cultural, confusion that we're pushing at every level here right right that that this is the way to go when, when in all reality it is it is a mental illness and there are issues there yeah. and all we did is make it worse right. and and, and you know, here's the thing that that i want to say about this shooting that that it bothers me and and you and i are of the same mind where there's conspiracy theorists out there and and we're not among them and you don't want to be but that's the only way to make this one make sense it's it's yeah. to put on the tinfoil hat. It doesn't make sense any other way, and uh, it's it's troubling. Uh, the actions of the officers went directly against their departmental policy. And departmental policy even said, if you're afraid to get shot, you're in the wrong line of work. And yeah. um, and, and it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's it, it's they the the state of Texas and, and law enforcement in Texas has a, a certain culture around it. It does in in many places in the South. Um, you know, here in North Carolina, it's kind of a case by case basis, but many of your rural counties, hey, you know, you, your deputies that, that are, that are getting hired on in these places, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not trying to miscategorize these guys as being trigger happy or anything like that. But what I will say is, is that for the most part, the guys that I know when, when danger comes to their doorstep, they're going to step up, man. They, they're going to, they're going to do what needs to be done. You got, you got a lot of veterans in the crowd and, and a lot of guys that are ready to throw down. If, if it comes to that, then all right, man, that's what we got to do. You know, and and nobody wants to be. I want to point this out, make this painfully clear. Nobody wants to be put in that situation, man. Um, that's a if if you have never been in a use of force encounter, then you have absolutely no idea what all that entails. And yeah. I'm going to tell and you right now, good. I, yeah. nah, you, you you don't want to be in in that scenario. I don't carry a firearm. I've been in, in many use of force encounters. A lot of them overseas. I've been in three, unfortunately, three here stateside as a civilian. And you don't want to be that guy, man. You you do not want to be in that situation. Um, because even if shots don't get fired, man, the amount of stuff that, that just the all, all the issues that you got to deal with coming yeah. out of that. You, yep. you don't want to be that guy, man. I don't carry a firearm. You know, I, I do not carry a firearm or train other people to carry firearms because I, I'm some guy that believes in glorifying violence or any of this other nonsense. No, it, it's the opposite. It's because I know that the more prepared and trained people we have out there, the better the deterrent is against this kind of crap. I know that that is what works. And it, it is a deterrent theory. Right. And it works. While we're on this topic, I wanted to bring up some of the language being used. Um, You have to be uh, you have to pay attention to what what they're telling you. Right. It tells us that right in the Bible. Pay attention. You'll know them by the words. Right. So they're saying things like a pandemic of gun violence. You have to really key in on that phrase, because the last time they used the word pandemic uh, they set aside the Constitution and told you you couldn't go places, you couldn't buy things, you couldn't plant your own food, you couldn't do all this other nonsense. Um, so we need to be very, very careful of falling for that trap again. And, and I know that half the country is going to do it no matter what, but the other half needs to decide what rights are valuable and what rights are not. I'm not advocating anything. I'm just telling you, you need to listen to the words they're using, think about them. And decide what that means for you. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, and and you know, we we've got uh, World Health Organization (WHO). I mean, this is disclosed. This is 100% real. Our our rights during a quote unquote pandemic that is now going to be declared by an outside body. Okay, the World Health Organization, which let's look at who's running the World Health Organization. Okay, these are the same people that have put a lot of money into researching these different obscure viruses that just so happen to get released. Right. They just so happen to make the jump. And and they say, oh, well, it's an inevitability. Well, yeah, I guess it is when you release it purposefully. Um, because there's a lot of money to be made there. There's a lot of money to be made on all of this. And they are, they, you know, I heard, I first heard the gun violence, quote unquote, epidemic. I first heard that language around 2015. 
I think. Yep. Um, and it was, it, it was essentially, it was a white paper and I don't recall who wrote it, but it was essentially framing the, the gun violence in areas like you already mentioned, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the major metropolitan areas, they're all run by Democrats, by the way, every single one of them are run by Democrats. They are lock and stock in, in lockstep with Democrat goals. Okay. That that's gotta be pointed out. And they all, every one of those places has very strict firearm restrictions within the metropolitan limits. Okay. That needs to be pointed out as well, because there's always going to be that person out there that says, yeah, well, you know, the state of Georgia has really liberal, uh, or, or really, uh, uh, you know, gun laws. You could just buy a gun anywhere. Yeah, that's true. But the city of Atlanta itself has very severe firearms restrictions. It correct. Does. Correct. You gotta, yep. you, you gotta be specific about that. And if you take out, if you take Atlanta out of the equation, Georgia has a very low crime rate. But you gotta, you, you have to take Atlanta and, and Cobb County out of the mix. And then all of a sudden, poof, your crime rate goes away. So I don't want to hear it out of the anti-gun crowd, but they, they want to treat this as a health problem. And when you are able to reclassify something now as a health issue, that really opens up the door to some, some very interesting things. And since, and, and I knew it, I mean, we talked about that in class, uh, that, that this, or after hours after class, that the writing was on the wall. I mean, with, with the WHO declaring, you know, they, they can step in and any public uh, emergency, what have you, um, that, that that's quite literally what they're going to do. They're setting the stage for this. And we see it. You know, we're, we're seeing it. And, and I would expect it to come quick. Yeah, I, I would too. And, and, and as the economic situation comes further and further off the rails, uh, along with potential conflicts with both Russia and China, you're going to see more desperate people do more desperate things. And it's all going to play right into this narrative that guns are the problem rather than everything else going on around us. Let's be honest. Guns have been around since the 1500s, but mass shootings are a relatively recent thing. Right. SSRIs are also... What? No, there's no, no link to that. That's just silly no talk. Way. No way. And, and what's funny is, I, I just, you know, again, not to put on the tinfoil hat, but I can see some some cookie tins not far from here, so it's close enough. Um, but you find out every single time that the FBI was already aware of this person. And again, it just feeds into the conspiracy theories, even though they may not be true. Um, they're not doing anything to try and dissuade them by actually stopping one of these guys, right? Uh, every single time it turns out, oh, well, they made prior threats and, oh, they've been talking to the FBI this whole time. And uh, it's just, uh, it doesn't paint a very good picture. No, no, it absolutely does not. You know, it, again, correlations, man, there's correlations. I mean, correlation does not equate causation. We know that. Uh, but there's absolutely a time order and non-spuriousness as well between 
the interactions, uh, however uh, innocent they may look between elements of federal law enforcement and uh, in online encounters with these people, these guys were previously known and they are all uh, to a person. They are all on prescription SSRIs, every single one of them. So, you know, yeah. If anybody were to study this, if the National Science Foundation were to fund such a study, uh, they are not. Uh, they, they're not going to do that. Got personal experience with that as well, uh, where, where they purposely will not study this uh, because that's going to take away some money. If they do that, that's going to take away that pharmaceutical money, and we just can't have that. Uh, so, you know, and, and well, it's and they know what reality. it would show. They, yeah. will, they know it will show that causation. So. Right. It, the, the pharmaceutical industry has a lot more money than the gun industry does. And they yeah. know, it. you know, they, they know it. Everybody knows it. So that that's that's what you get right there. So, you know, folks, you, you got to be ready. You, you have to gear up. Um, this this is what's going to happen. Now, I'm not prepared to say that, you know, this is going to be the great U.N., uh, gun grab, whatever. But they're they're definitely taking steps in that direction. Uh, they're definitely well, taking and, steps and, in that direction. And Fidelito, uh, just north of me here, may have let the cat out of the bag a little too early. Uh, oh yeah. With with his proposal to uh, to ban all handguns and to have a mandatory assault rifle buyback. Well, first of all, you can't buy back something I didn't buy from you. Uh, and second of all, how does he think a handgun ban, flat out handgun ban? is going to work in the Western provinces. I mean, well, seriously. It, it's like everything else with these guys. They don't think about that. They don't, they, they don't, they literally do not put thought into what they're doing. It, it's, it's all knee jerk reaction. And then they line the lawyers up, the, the lawyers for the government, they, they line them up to defend them in the civil cases. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on Canadian jurisprudence, so, you know, I can't really say uh, what the civil recourse there is for firearms owners in Canada. I'm willing to guess that it's probably not much um, because yeah. they Canada. I mean, it sucks, man, because everybody outside of the handful of cities in Canada, all the other people living there are, are pretty cool. You know, yeah. and, and yep. you know, uh, uh, you find a, a lot of commonality between, you know, the guys that, that are hanging out in, in the Calgary side of things, you know, outside of outside of the cities. They're, they're the same people. They, it's the Western rancher culture, uh, farmers, agriculture guys, guys, that just, you know, outfitters, hunters, etc. And, you know they 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 just want to live their their lives day to day but it's it's just this liberal uh bastion that's taken hold and uh in ottawa and and you know much like dc but at least in dc we we have nominal protections against tyranny and unfortunately for our, our canadian friends they do not and um, and while we're on that topic, uh, I want to point out, uh, despite what everyone on the left will tell you, the Second Amendment has exactly zero, not one thing to do with hunting or deer. It's got everything to do with killing human beings, particularly the ones who would attempt to restrict your rights. 
Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah. It's a check and a balance. It, it's, it, you know, the, the Constitution is a series of checks and balances, checks and balances between the branches of government. And, you know, we, we like to, to give lip service to the fourth estate, which is the free media, which, you know, this, this podcast, AmericanPartisan.org, you know, tactical wisdom, you know, we're, we're all part of, right. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of that. But the fourth estate, the fourth branch of government is you. It's the consent of the governed and your check and balance against tyranny is the second amendment period. There, there is no if, ands or buts. There is no compromise on that. That is what it is. This isn't advocating for anything or trying to make it into something. It's not, but we're not going to be pushed around. We're not going to be bullied. And damn it. When we see that there are so many oddities over time, Right. So many of them over time, yeah. every one of these shootings, you know, something we got a right to keep our kids safe, too. And what it looks like to me is that we need to keep our kids safe from big government. That's what it looks like to me. Well, what, what's most troubling is that this case in particular should actually be a rallying cry for concealed carry because the police literally refused to do the job they're paid to do. And I know some will say, well, you know, Supreme Court has ruled they're not there to protect you. I don't care. We give them guns to stop this kind of thing. Everyone should protect the children. And if you were there unarmed, you should have been running down that hallway. And somebody goes, well, maybe they hadn't been trained. Well, if you've been trained for more than five minutes after Columbine happened, the training is the first guy gets there, goes in and kills the bad guy. There's no other training for an active shooter. And uh, I take exception to it. And you should then use this as an example to say, this is why I should be allowed to be armed. Yeah. You know, you, you want us to give up our rights and entrust our safety to the same people who cowardly stood outside of that school. That's what you want. Cause I'm sorry. I ain't going for it. And, I, I, and honestly, I ain't they going said, for it, man. it's like tombstone. I don't feel like being arrested today. That's yeah. I don't think I'm going to let you arrest me today, so Sheriff. There you go, man. <laughs> There you go. And you know what? Here's the thing about that is if they're afraid of, of, of a kid with an AR, uh, what are they going to do with a Chinese paratrooper? Yeah. Uh, a, a Russian Spetsnaz guy, uh, a cartel reconquista dude. I mean, seriously. Uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Oh, you know, we, 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 they, well, there was a story uh, I ran just a little bit ago where there there was a uh, Arizona Department of Public Safety trooper who just got fired because he's a member of Hezbollah. Wow. I mean, come on. If, if you don't think that they're here, they're already inside our borders and they're working. I don't know what more of a wake up call some of you people need. Uh, it's, I'm going to tell you, I do a lot of work in Dearborn. They're here. So. Yeah, man, driving back, driving through Toledo, seeing oh, yeah. that giant mosque. I'm just There's saying, There's a pretty man, big it, mosque right there. I forgot to, to tell you to look out for that. Yeah. Look, <laughs> hey, I, I'm all for freedom of religion, 100%. You know, you do you. Freedom of religion, freedom from religion, whatever. I am a Christian. You're a Christian. I'm very outspoken about that. But at the same time, I recognize everybody's rights. However, however, 
We also have to recognize there's also a pretty serious correlation between a lot of clandestine activity, a lot of bad stuff that comes in when you have certain segments taking hold. It's, yes, it's there. It, it's undeniable. Okay. It's undeniable. So there is. And we've that. had several mosques in Metro Detroit raided and, and one that even involved a shootout between the FBI and. And those those nice boys who didn't do nothing at the mosque. So, right, um, wild no, stuff I, up here. It is, man. It, it, you know, it's. I don't know. We could talk all day about that, but but talking about shifting a, a little bit over to international uh, news, so to speak, uh, because we mentioned Russia, we mentioned China, and there's a lot of chew, lot to chew on there, but. Talking about Russia, so many episodes back, it, it was one of the last interviews that I did with you because we've done so many. Sorry to keep track of them, man. But the um, and and they're always gold because you know your you know your stuff inside and out. And typically, your your predictions have a strange way of coming true, man. You pointed out that Moldova was gonna be the next target after Ukraine. And this was a little ways back. This was kind of before the Russians got stalled out for a little bit, took a tactical pause, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, maybe didn't didn't anticipate the resistance that they met. But you pointed out that Moldova eventually was going to be the next target. And bam, here we go. Here we go. The right, they're, they're, leader, they're headed that way. And, and actually, yep. in the last 24 hours... Uh, Russia has pushed uh, westward across the Inhalets River, which is the river that runs up. Uh, it's a little bit to the west of Kyrgyzstan, and it runs through a city called Mykolaiv, which is important. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that river runs up, and it kind of feeds into the uh, into the Dnieper farther up. Uh, it's one of the last rivers I got to cross before heading towards uh, towards Odessa. Mykolaiv is the headquarters of the Ukrainian Marine Corps, right? So it's been fighting; it's been held pretty tightly. Um, they're knocking on the door to that city. So um, the Ukrainians did a counteroffensive. They claim yesterday, they claim they pushed them back, but but it's not looking like it. The point is, is that everyone wants to talk about how Ukraine is beating Russia down and beating Russia down, but the red on the map grows every single day, and it grows to the west. Um, there's uh, there's some attacks happening up around Kharkiv, which. Uh, Everyone is focused on. In the meantime, down here by Mykolaiv, Russia gains more and more ground headed towards Odessa. And past Odessa is Moldova and a little area called Transnistria. Uh, you and I know that in Transnistria, there are three battalions, which makes, I guess, a regiment of Russian yep. troops uh, already standing by there. And uh, there have been some some local skirmishing back and forth with Moldovans or or I guess not necessarily skirmishing, but some unusual incidents, right? A couple of machine gun attacks, a couple of explosions, both sides blame the other, but, but Moldova's really ramping up. And when you look at the fact pattern, um, starting all the way back with Georgia in 2008, there's a, there's a country that borders um, traditional Russian territory, but also borders NATO, got a separatist movement, Russians move in to support the separatists, and there's a full-on invasion that happened in Georgia. It happened in Ukraine, and that's what we—that's the same fact pattern in Moldova. 
Moldova leans towards NATO, but there's Transnistria, which leans towards Russia. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's not magic to see that that's going to be next, especially as Russia continues to move to the west across the southern part of Ukraine. Uh, everyone wants to focus on Kiev and Kharkiv because they're big cities, but Odessa is next, and then Moldova right after that. Yep. And uh, it's also man. it's important to note too that that there is an entire Marine regiment that's been at sea this entire time that has not been committed to combat yet, uh, and they're waiting just off Odessa for the right moment. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just interesting to me. What I was gonna say when I said I, I don't know, man, it it seems like a pattern that has emerged, and and I could be completely wrong here, but I, I don't know, man. Every one of these countries that has had um we'll say they've cozied up to nato they all have women leaders now i'm not trying to say anything bad about women i'm not trying to say anything necessarily bad about a country that is uh wanting to join a larger alliance you know whether it's cs uh cisto or um you know whatever It, it it doesn't really matter but it just seems like there's an odd coincidence that every one of these countries, man, they, they all have women that get elected in some, you know, a, a questionable election at best. We'll just put it nicely. A questionable election. They get put in and they're, they're kind of young. They kind of have this childlike um you know, this childlike demeanor to him. I mean, if you look at the, the president of, of uh, Finland, that's absolutely true. Very playful, doesn't seem serious, doesn't really seem like they're they're well engaged. Definitely Post, not a leader. She posts some stand. very interesting yeah. photos of herself on Instagram. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. Well, I mean, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. But, uh, but what I'm, my point is, is that that that's not a Joan of Arc type character. You know, right, that, that's right. not a that's not somebody that's going to stand up and, and, you know, take up the sword of the nation state and Athena, you know, an, an Athena type warrior that's going to you know spring up and, and lead their people into action. That's not happening. And so it, I don't know, man, it just seems like to me there seems to be a pattern. We do know with Operation Gladio, it's it's not conspiracy theory. It's absolute conspiracy fact that with Operation Gladio, we installed part of that was us installing friendly governments in Western Europe in the countries that were there to maintain a certain status quo that we could always predict the outcome of the elections. And we've been doing that. The left, ironically, historically, the left has been telling us that this is what was going on over and over again. And it's just very funny that this is coming full circle. You know, you had you had leftists like Oliver Stone, which, you know, now even even the American left wants to censor him. And he's been telling you what the deal was the entire time. It just seems it just seems strange to me. That's all. Yeah, and you know what? If you if if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Ukraine on Fire by Oliver Stone, drop what you're doing and go watch that. I mean, it's it's actually a pretty solid documentary on on the Azovs and and, and what's going on in the region uh, prior yeah. to the invasion. So it's pretty solid stuff. And and you know, it also it's also interesting to note that 
that Vladimir Putin, I mean, for, for whatever he wants, he wants his own thing. He doesn't want to be controlled by the globalists. And that's kind of kind of where all of his problems come from. Uh, and, and so the globalists push the guy as much as he can. And, and you know what? I, I'm I'm not a, not a fan of his. He does bad things, but he's probably the most honest guy in international politics. He said, if you continue to push me on Ukraine, I'll just invade the place. And then he did. Right. And uh, yeah. you pretty much take him at his word. He's saying the same thing about Moldova. So just be uh, just 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 brace yourself. The other thing they yeah. said today, um, this morning, uh, he used uh, Dmitry Peskov, uh, which means it's pretty. So there, there are three people to listen to in Russia. Uh, and, and Sergei Shoigu, who's the defense minister, is not one of them. It's Dmitry Peskov, uh, Dmitry Medvedev and Vladimir Putin. So this morning. Uh, Peskov said, um, so he was asked by a Western reporter, uh, you know, if, if he sees a third country being drawn into the conflict, any third party countries getting drawn into the conflict. And Dmitry Peskov said on the heels of us announcing that we're sending more advanced rockets to the Ukraine, he says, if these advanced weapons shipments continue, it will happen. Right. So we went ahead and we transferred this missile system to them and and Joe Biden first said, well, these missiles aren't capable of reaching Ukraine or reaching Russia proper. Well, that's a matter of where you put them, right? I mean, if I put them up against the border of Russia and shoot them, they're going to reach into Russia. Um, so then he says he, he, he revises it when, when people start challenging that, that you really can't control where a missile goes if, if, you know, if it's got the range. He says, well, we've gotten assurances from the Ukrainians that they won't fire them into, into Russia. Uh, do you believe that that's true? I don't. So. No, I don't. I don't buy it for a second. Uh, yeah, I mean, you give the guy they, weapons, he's going to use them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and you, you got to keep in mind, man, they're at war, okay, and it their their reaction is not immediate. So you know, I've been talking about this. I talked about it a lot last week. You know, over over dinner conversations and over over whiskey around the campfire about how our influence and our hegemony in South America and in Central America is coming to a close and rapidly. Yeah. And that is going to be a tectonic shift in a lot of stuff in the world. People, you know, in, here in America, you know, back in the eighties, everybody was concerned with Colombia, the drug wars and all this stuff. Right. And then Nicaragua and Honduras and, you know, there's civil wars and the Contras and, you know, that's, that's where Radio Contra gets its name. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind, the Soviets were very active there and they sought to completely remove United States influence anywhere south of the Rio Grande. And, that and is I will what tell they you, to do. and they're doing so so here's the important thing, and, 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 and today was a day to watch. I'm telling you to watch the rest of the week. There's an election in Colombia yesterday, and the election, um, unfortunately, is going to have to go to a runoff. Um, Colombia is the last country in, uh, in South America and Central America that, that is actually friendly to the U.S., um, the rest are at best neutral. I mean, a lot will claim that Bolsonaro is, is, a, is a U.S. supporter, but the country of Brazil is not. Right. Um, so Colombia, they're having an election and 
um, our boy Maduro has his chosen candidate to win. If that candidate wins, the, the Colombia being friendly to U.S. era is over. Uh, it becomes yep. a client state of Venezuela. Um, and now the problem with most, most Americans is they can't look at a map and they couldn't find Colombia and Venezuela on a map if you, if you put a gun to their head. So let me tell you where they are. Colombia and Venezuela meet at the bottom of the Isthmus of Panama. And what that means is that in order to enter South America, you have to go through either Colombia or Venezuela. And if they are suddenly in lockstep and one is a client state of the other, you're not doing anything in South America without them. And that's a really big problem for us. It means that they get a cut of anything transshipped food wise. A lot of food comes from down there. It's just it's 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 very interesting. What were you going to say? I was saying it's huge, man, because our our influence is done. We're done down there. And with uh, with this election, it's important to know that this is a very clear cut election of ideology. It's not the candidates. Okay, it's not the candidates. It's ideology itself. And right now, communism is winning 40.7 percent of the vote. All right. Right. The other the other small factions, the right wing factions and the the left wing factions and the centrists. Right. That are uh, have varying degrees of ties to uh, American interests and in various different ways. They're all losing and they're losing big. That's really, really important. And people are not paying attention to that. I'm telling you right now, and I'm hearing this from people in the Border Patrol right now, because I get emails from people all over everywhere. I got a lot of Border Patrol agents who are fans of the show, and they write to me every so often. They are getting Venezuelans and Colombians, okay? Yeah. When when we, we were out to dinner last week, and the the guys who were getting rolled up on the borders, uh, on the border down in uh, uh, Del Rio, they were in camo uniforms. Some yeah. of those uniforms were Venezuelan military uniforms. And I pulled it up. I pulled up a picture of it. I said, look at that. Yeah. There it is. That's the Venezuelan military uniform right there. That, that These guys didn't just go down to, you know, Jeff's military surplus and pick up Venezuelan military uniforms, man. It didn't work <laughs> right. that way. I doubt there's a Jeff's military surplus in <laughs> in Venezuela. That was good. Um, but but here's the thing, too, is that there's a much bigger geopolitical game at stake down there. So prior to this election and, and, and the potential for Colombia and Venezuela to kind of join there, uh, Christina Kirchner down in um, Argentina was rattling her saber about Argentina's favorite international topic. Uh, Las Malvinas, or as we know them, the Falkland Islands. And um, they seized those in in 84 and fought a very bloody, uh, for the time, a very bloody, short and brutal war against the United Kingdom. And they came out on the losing end and they've never gotten over it. And um, so she's been making uh, waves about, hey, we're going to take those back now. And if Colombia falls and becomes sort of a Venezuelan client state that frees up the ability for them to do that. Right. It creates a bigger block to draw from down there. 
And um, I, I don't know. I just don't see good things happening uh, from that election. Nope. And, and the Russians and the Chinese are waiting in the wings because something that, that Mike Adams had put out last week was uh, with, with uh, J.R. Nyquist. And, and I wrote a piece kind of a soft rebuttal, if you will, a more down to earth examination of, of this thing. But the likelihood of uh, Chinese troops, you know, quote unquote, landing on American shores and, you know, this D-Day style invasion. I don't think that's going to happen. They will be invited in before it's all said and done. I do believe that. Uh, but I, they're not going to invade necessarily in a hostile manner. What you do see, though, what you do see is all the people who are coming up that sh- that are, you know, magically materializing on the border. They're all military age males. And now yep. they're pretty brazen about how they're coming in in military uniforms this should alarm everybody, man. And it shouldn't be a political issue. It should not be uh, right versus left or whatever. It should be a, hey, there's something going on here. Yeah, Look, and let's let's point out that one of the largest landowners in Texas now is a Chinese general yep. who owns essentially a private air base right up against one of our air bases. Morningstar Ranch. Morningstar yeah. Ranch. They're I right wrote the, the piece on that. I broke the story on that. I did the overlays of it and assessment in my professional experience of those runways and what they are capable of landing in there. That's a big deal, folks. And I wrote that, by the way, I wrote that two years ago. So, you know, it, and people are not seeing this for what it is. The Chinese are helping facilitate all this. Belt and Road is the economic initiative behind it. But economics and military are tied at the hip. So, so two things. Number one is go back and watch the old 1984 version of Red Dawn, but don't watch the whole movie. Yep. Just read the little newsreel clips at the beginning and, and tell me that's not today, right? It's about crop failures throughout the world. It's about Nicaraguan troop goals and Venezuelan troop goals and, and, and Ecuador and all this kind of stuff uh, and how they moved north. Uh, through illegal immigration and 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 an air assault, so interesting, right? Um, also, there's a book uh, by my friend Mark Sibley called Mongol Moon, where he talks about a Chinese invasion of the U.S. But it's not uh, just like you said; it's not the D-Day type invasion. What it involves is is Chinese, Iranian, and Russian um, specialized groups hitting certain targets using illegal aliens that were already here. Um, that that came up like. Everyone wants to talk about South Americans uh, in the in the illegal immigration thing, which is actually huge. But there's even more Chinese that enter through the West Coast illegally. Um, and those people retain an incredible loyalty to the homeland. And they're all over this country. And so what, what Mark puts in his book, and, and he says, if I figured this out sitting in a coffee shop in Virginia – there's some guys in Beijing who figured it out, too, um, is that those illegals could come in and, and some of the second and third generation ones who are already here could go out and buy guns and rent storage units and fill them with guns and ammo and food for these other troops to use when they arrive. And uh, and, and the South American groups that come up and all the different factions uh, that are used to create this chaos across the U.S. and make the lights go out. Um now, you said you didn't envision a big D-Day type invasion, but I do envision, just like you did, um, some disaster befalling us as a country uh, that may look natural but might not be. 
um, and um, the need for some peacekeepers to arrive. And, and then, then there they are, right? And yep. I know you you had James Wesley Rawls on before, and he has a book where he talks about that for Canada, right? That yeah. um, due to uh, due to the the loss of electrical power, uh, China took advantage of an open ended UN peacekeeping uh, agreement to insert troops into Canada and just take it over. And which is real. That's, yeah, that, which that's is a real, real thing. That is a real that's thing. A, that that that's a real thing. I think it was Founders. I have all of them. I think it was Founders. That that was in. It, it wasn't yeah. Patriots because uh, that that was Northern Idaho. Um, I I think it was Founders. It was either yeah. Survivors or Founders because uh, I, I get them confused. I think Survivors <laughs> is the one uh, with the guys from the Philippines working their way to Australia. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, but it's one of those books where, where he posits exactly that. Right. Uh, China takes advantage of the disastrous situation and economic collapse in the U.S. and Canada to insert peacekeepers for the greater good. And then they just don't leave. And uh, and that's that's an entirely leave, realistic man. scenario. The, the Chinese but, never leave. They they they're not going to leave. Um Look at what they did in Ghana. Look at what they've done in in literally all of sub-Saharan Africa. Central African Republic has a giant uh, Chinese flag there. They've been gene editing babies to be AIDS resistant. You know, the, the researcher that let the cat out of the bag on that one, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, equivalent to TED Talks. Nobody's heard from that guy again. He's disappeared. It's exactly what they, they do. Uh, the, the the Chinese Communist Party has absolutely no ethics whatsoever when it comes to uh, humans or humanity or the preservation of life or doing fair trade or business or any of these things that, you know, Western liberal democracies at least claim to uphold. Uh, and, you know, of course, we, we do to varying degrees, uh, but it, it's raw exploitation with them. And they're going to do the same here. But but what I'm trying to turn people's attention to, as are you, is that there's a bigger power move that is occurring right now. And it's it's going to be coming out from South America. The Chinese and the Russians have made huge investments down there and they have friendly governments that they have installed that are not going to change. Okay, once they've been put in power, they ain't changing. And I'm telling you, this, this is it's going to be the one two punch that's going to knock out America. Well, and this is, why, the um, this is why you also see them attempting to establish a security framework with 10 South Pacific nations, um, Kiribati, Vanuatu, all of those areas down there to the north of Australia, to the north and east of Australia, heading towards South America. They're they're trying to secure those supply lines. So they don't have to come directly across the Pacific. They can cross from the South China Sea into the South Pacific, land somewhere in South America and truck upward. And um, that's what they're trying to do with these agreements with these little islands who are cash hungry. Right. And, and so far, the only one who's really put up any sort of resistance to it is Fiji. And that's only because Fiji um, survives literally on the basis of Western tourism, whether it be. Americans, French or, or or British people who go there on vacation. But if, if China can make a deal sweet enough for them, they'll take it. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and they are literally taking advantage of the coercive means by which the Fed has been operating. You know, the, yeah. these these countries can't afford to buy fuel without first buying U.S. dollars to in order to buy petroleum. That's why it's called the petrodollar. And when we levy sanctions on countries, that's what's doing. It's just leaving them with with little option. Um, and that, that's really coming around to bite us. Anyhow, coming up on the hour, brother, the literally every interview with you is is the fastest hour imaginable. Any right. <laughs> always, man, we get to going. Next thing you know, it's it's friggin' midnight and I'm pulling my yeah. boots off and you know <laughs> it's like ah man, I've been, I've been sipping whiskey all night. But um brother, any last things that, that you want to share with the audience before we punch out? You know, we didn't get to it, but but food insecurity. I, I'm going to say this on every single platform I get. If you're not growing food right now, you might have a problem in the fall. Get out there and grow some food, get some seeds. Uh, if you don't know how, learn. If AOC can do it, you can do it. Um, but learn how to grow some food and pay attention to what people are saying because they mean it. So. Amen, brother. Joe Dolio, Tactical wisdom.com the tactical wisdom three volume series and you are working on book number four correct i am i am i, yeah. I got the pages done yesterday we're working on it right that's right well brother god bless you god bless everybody out there stay safe stay free in america enjoy this beautiful country the summertime of course coming right off of memorial day i always take Memorial Day itself off, and I don't really do much of anything but drink a little beer, enjoy my family, and live the life that my fallen brothers cannot, because that is what it is all about. But anyway, folks, stay safe out there. God bless all of you, and I'll be back very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out. Back away!